This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, did y'all notice... Did y'all notice walking in this morning all the beautiful little terracotta plants, uh, pots out there on the front porch that are painted really nice? Did you see those? Okay, some of you are like, I hadn't had my coffee yet until I got to the cafe. Uh, but those, those are part of our crew life, which are Wednesday kids men. Um, our crew life kids are in a season right now where they're talking about how do I make my faith grow? How do I grow my faith? And so they're growing flowers to represent that. And they've painted those little terracotta plants, uh, pots, with emblems or words that they believe, you know, things that help their faith grow. It's like um, pray, worship, I love Jesus. Some just painted pictures of flowers because they don't know how to use words yet. So hopefully you'll notice those on your way out. And every time you walk back in for the next number of weeks, and maybe it'll help your faith grow also. So we want to thank our kids for decorating the front porch and making it look um, even more spring and summer-like. Hey, so if you are new with us, or maybe it's been a while since you've been with us, you just need to know that we are in the like back half, deep back half of a very long message series called The Jesus Project, where we've been talking about, guess what? Jesus, right? We're talking about Jesus. This started way back, like before, uh, before Christmas. It carried us through Easter, and it ends next month. But our, our goal through this entire very long message series is that this would happen to you. Number one, that you would connect with Jesus for the first time, or you would connect with Jesus if it's been some time. And so what we've done is every month had a different emphasis. So we've been expecting Jesus, experimenting with Jesus, exploring Jesus. Now we're experiencing Jesus. It's been so much fun uh, getting into this deep, fun message series about Jesus. Now, two weeks ago, we left here in the middle of this great celebration, right? It was Easter Sunday. We're all in here. Woo! It's Easter. It's resurrection. You know, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Um, all four gospel writers, they write about the the resurrection of Jesus where he rose again out of the tomb. And it feels like, it feels like that should have been like the grand finale, right? Like people should have walked away like we did. We should have walked away. Man, this is victory. This is ours. Like this should have been it. Like let's take the victory lap because we won, we won, we won. But after you read the gospel writers, you know, telling about the resurrection, you read just a little bit further and you find it was anything but that. In fact, what you hear are the Romans saying, we won. And the Jewish leaders saying, we won. And you find the people closest to Jesus, the people right around the resurrection saying, what happened? We lost. See, for them, for them, there was way more confusion than there was celebration. And we looked at some of that last week. Like on the morning of the resurrection, when the first people went to the tomb and they found it empty, they were surprised by that. They were surprised. See, nobody expected nobody. And when the women who were the first to go to the tomb got there and found it empty, they didn't go running back to the other saying, Hallelujah, hallelujah, he's been raised. They weren't running away to the other saying, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, he's been stolen. And we don't know where they put him. Just there's so much confusion around the high point of what should be the high point of our faith. So they go back and they tell the apostles and the other people who were hiding in fear, you know, what they found, the empty tomb, and the, the people who received that message, like, you're not making any sense to us. And two of them, Peter and John, they ran to the tomb to check out the story the women were telling them. And it was true. 
and they still didn't understand it. Even though they had the scriptures and the prophecies and the promises and everything Jesus told them along the way, they still couldn't make sense of it. And, and thankfully, later that day, Jesus showed up and showed them, but there's one of the apostles. It took a whole week. Like a whole week later before he finally saw Jesus raised back to life and finally, finally believed in the resurrection. A lot of confusion. But in spite of all the questions and in spite of all their confusion, Jesus just kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And what he gave them is he, he gave them time for their questions and room for their doubt and space for their confusion. <laughs> And that tells me, and I hope it tells you this, I hope you understand this, I mean, get this. It tells me that when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, like when it comes to faith, when it comes to, to trusting Jesus, that maybe it's okay to be a little bit scared. And maybe it's okay to be a little bit confused, to be unsure. Maybe it's okay. And Jesus just gives us that time not to know it all. Which is why, by the way, we are inviting you, if you're new here to Grace Collective, we're inviting you to a really cool event. It's actually three Mondays in a row in May, starting on May 8th, three evenings, we're called Starting Point. And you think about it, everything that you know has a starting point, right? You had a starting point. Your kids had a starting point. Your family had a starting point. Your job had a starting point. Everything in your life has a starting point, including your faith. And maybe you're at that verge. Maybe you're someone like, ah, I never really had faith, and, but I think I'm getting ready. And maybe, maybe it's time to give faith a start. Bring your questions. Bring your confusion. That's what starting point's all about. Or maybe you're someone like, I used to have faith. I used to be going to church all the time, man. But then I got distracted by life and, and I, well, just life got complicated and, and faith didn't fit. And so maybe it's time to restart your faith. That's what starting point's for. So, you'll hear more about that later um, this morning, but I just wanted you to know, but that's why we're doing starting point. If you're new here, good, come on, bring your questions. Let's have some great conversation. It's a ton of fun, but you can also come and bring your doubt, and that is perfectly okay. Hey, let's go back to the confusion, but around the, the resurrection. Because Jesus was so kind, and because Jesus was so patient, like he allowed them to not have all the answers, eventually... They discovered Jesus is the answer. Like, it may have taken them a little more time than others, but questions gave way to answers, and doubt became devotion, and fear, well, fear turned into fight. And these now radically transformed lives had something to believe in and buy into, and finally they had something really to fight for. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to jump in the fight with them. We're going to go take another page out of the lives of Peter and John. We talked about them last week, but they are much different men this week than when we looked at them last week. We're going to take another page from, from their book, and we're going to see how their story can, can absolutely impact your story. So here we go. So this comes like just weeks after the resurrection. They've, they've been through Pentecost, and if you're not sure what Pentecost is, Pentecost is one of the big three, the big three holidays of the Jewish people. Like when Jesus went and was crucified, that was during the, the Passover festival. Pentecost was another festival where all the good Jews from all around the known world gathered back in Jerusalem for this 
celebration called Pentecost. Now, the church today, we've taken it as the day that the church was kind of born, right? We, we recognize Pentecost as the day when God gave his Holy Spirit, and gave himself in a new way to his followers, to, to dwell in them, like God's power living inside of us. And he did that because he knew his followers needed him in them to do what he was telling them to do in the world. And so God gave his Holy Spirit to his followers. And that became like the most powerful day in the church. 3,000 people that day in that city alone in Jerusalem gave their lives to Jesus. And then after that happened, the, the, God, the, um, the apostles, they just kept preaching and teaching about Jesus. Like you couldn't, you couldn't stop them. They kept teaching and preaching about Jesus. And their message about Jesus was so compelling that he was here, like God was here on earth in the form of a man named Jesus, that he let himself be killed, but he rose again. He's the Messiah, but we've been waiting for the rescuer king. And it was such a compelling, compelling uh, telling of, of the good news that more and more people every day kept joining them. And so one day, while all that was happening, after the resurrection, after Pentecost, two of Jesus' apostles, Peter and John, went up to the temple to pray. Now, the guy that records this for us, his name is Luke. Luke was not an apostle, but he knew the apostles. He knew the people around Jesus. He interviewed them like crazy. And he, Luke brought us one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's one of, the, one of the gospel accounts. And Luke tells us that Peter and John one day went up to the temple to pray. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Big deal, right? 3 o'clock in the Like, what an insignificant detail for Luke to include, but hey, we're used to that, right? People in our culture, they're, they're, they're telling us insignificant details about their lives all the time, right? Just, just look at people's posts. Like, 6.30 a.m. this morning, I brushed my teeth with a brand new toothpaste. I don't care. <laughs> Brush your teeth, period. I don't care what you, great for you. I, I, don't, I don't need to read that. Or, you will not believe what happened to me at Starbucks this morning. Like, finally, 10.30 in the morning, I didn't have my caffeine until I got to Starbucks. I don't, I don't care, Unless someone told you about Jesus at Starbucks, and I care. Or you told someone else about Jesus at Starbucks, and you bought their drink as an expression of his love for them. Great, but otherwise, I don't care what you had in your tall, skinny, mega cappuccino thing. Like, we'll make the same thing out here for you for free, not five bucks, you know? That alone should get you up on Sunday mornings to get here. We, we, we know what it's like to have insignificant details thrown at us all the time. But that's not what Luke's doing. Luke just told us a world of information when he said at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Here's what Luke is telling us. When he says, hey, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, number one, we know, we know that that was going to be a crowded time at the temple. Because 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that was prayer time. The Jews went to the temple three times a day to pray, morning, afternoon, and evening. And 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock was that afternoon prayer time. So we know, number one, man, it's going to be flooded with people. It's going to, like, like here this morning, it's going to be full, full, full of people. So we know that. We also know that Peter and John never left Jerusalem. Because the only place, to there weren't a bunch of temples. There was one temple in Jerusalem. If they go up to the temple, they're still in Jerusalem weeks after, weeks after the resurrection. And we also know that Peter and John aren't afraid anymore. They're not afraid to go into this crowd of people at the temple, which is really, really interesting. 
Listen, when, when Peter and John, just a weeks ahead of this, like the week before Jesus came back to Jerusalem for the final time when he was arrested and crucified and, and then rose again, but the week before, they were up in Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus said to Peter and John and the other apostles, hey, we're going back to Jerusalem. And all the apostles, including Peter and John, they're like, why? Because Jesus, that's, that's where the people are who want to kill you and probably us for hanging out with you. We vote no. And Jesus said, I vote yes, so we're going. And so they went back to Jerusalem, and they, they captured Jesus, and they killed him, remember? And so now they all go into hiding after, after the, the crucifixion. Because in that culture, they understood that, that anyone associated with a criminal, someone who is arrested, charged, convicted, and executed, well... No, no, no one associates can suffer the same fate. So they all went into hiding. But now just weeks later, Peter and John, they're walking into the, the crowd of people who actually voted to crucify Jesus. What gives with that? I mean, this, this one little detail, three o'clock in the afternoon, tells us all of that, all of that information. Listen, when you read God's word, look for those great, big, glorious vision casting that God gives us. But pay attention to those beautiful little details. So they'd gone into hiding, like hiding for their lives. They unfriended, they unfollowed Jesus. They could have left Jerusalem anytime they wanted to, like, you know, sneak out of town under the cover of darkness at night, but they didn't. So here they are walking into this huge crowd of people at the temple. Now, on their way into the temple, before they passed, Luke tells us, before they passed into the temple, that's important. When, when, when did they, when, what's he telling us? Before or after? Before, before they got into the temple. That's important. It's one of those little, little details we'll expound in, in just a moment. But they, before they got into the temple, they walked by a man who was crippled. And Luke tells us that this man was crippled since birth. Another detail. Luke is great. Luke was a physician. He's great with details. But every day, this guy who was crippled, he was carried by his family or his friends or whoever would do it. They would carry him from wherever he lived to the temple. There are a number of gates into the temple, and they would, they would lay him by one of those gates where all day long he would beg from people going into the temple. They would, he would beg, like, because people went in all day long, but especially at those three times of prayer when the huge crowds came in, that was bonus score for him. So he would lay there and he would beg on the outside of the temple. So Peter and John are walking to the temple and they walk past this guy. And for whatever reason, they look at this guy and they say, look at us. And the moment they locked eyes with him, he gets all excited. I mean, it's like you, right? Walking across Clemente Bridge, going to the stadium, and you know you're going to walk by people who are legitimately in need. And if you look at them, or if you talk with them, which I hope you will, they get excited, right? Because they believe you're about to give them something. As soon as Peter and John said, look at us, and they engage this guy, he's like, this is going to be good. Like, they're going to give me some money. But they didn't give him any money. This is what happened instead. Peter said to him, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. 
And he entered the temple. Highlight that. He entered the temple. If you've got your Bible app open, if you're reading along in, in, in a, like a you know, Gutenberg ink on page paper Bible, underline that, highlight that. He, he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, this healing, the actual healing happened where? Inside or outside the temple? Outside the temple. Here's why. This guy was not allowed in the temple. Not as a cripple. If you were born crippled, blind, deaf, mute, some disease, whatever, or if you contracted any of those things during your lifetime, you were not allowed inside the temple because you were seen as carrying the curse of God. Now, it was untrue. Jesus refuted that way of thinking, but the Jews still thought that way. And so if you if had any of those diseases or anything to happen to you, it meant that someone in their belief, it meant that either you or someone in your family sinned and your life was carrying the brunt of God's anger. You obviously cannot go into the presence of God. So he was never allowed in the temple every day. He sat outside and watched all of his family, all his friends, all the people from town that he knew, everybody going in where he was never allowed to go. Until now. Until now. This man, when, when, when Peter and John told him, hey, get up and walk, it wasn't just get up and walk. There's so much more than that. All of a sudden, for the first time in his life, he realized he mattered to God. He wasn't cursed by God. He was loved by God. And for the first time, after watching everyone else go through the temple gates, for the first time in his life, he walked through the temple gates, leaping praising God. Man, that's why he's, he's so excited. He's, he, he, he couldn't wait to get in there. He mattered to God. He had to go praise God. And of course, of course, this drew a crowd, right? This, this drew, drew a crowd. All those people who've been going into the temple at this time when it was super crowded because it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they, they hear a commotion. They see a commotion. They go running over to it. It'd be like you. If every Sunday you were coming here to worship, and there's some person coming in, uh, uh, maybe a woman in a wheelchair every single Sunday. And you saw her, you helped her, you, you know, you talked to her. And one Sunday you drive up and you see her wheel up to the front porch. And she stands up and she parks her wheelchair and she walks in on her own. And you'd be like, oh, I know her. Isn't, isn't, she, the, isn't she the one that was, couldn't walk like last week? These people, they, they, they hear the commotion. They see the commotion. They come running over like, oh, we know him. He's, he's that guy. He's the guy that sits out there every week waiting for us to get in. When I have a little extra change, I, I throw it his way. But that's, that's the same guy. They're like, what happened? And Peter's like, here's what happened. Jesus happened. Boom. Like, you know, Jesus, Jesus happened. Peter's like, let me tell you. Remember Jesus, the guy that, by the way, do you remember Jesus? You know, he's telling all, the, all, these, all these Jews, remember? It's not a little group, but all these people are there from all over the city. Remember that guy that y'all turned your back on and handed over to our leaders, our chief priests? Then they handed him over to the Romans to be crucified. Remember him? He's back. He's back. He rose from the dead, and Peter began to share the good news. We call it the gospel. That's what the gospel means. Gospel equals good news. Which he began to share the gospel, the good news, with all of these people. They're just drinking it in until this happened. As Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests 
And the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them. By the way, did you know that the Jews had their own like police force, their own mob squad? Like the, the, the Romans, they had their soldiers, but every once in a while, like, they need to keep peace like just among the Jews, among themselves. Wouldn't it be cool to have a grace collective mob squad? We, we can start naming some of the biggest, biggest, strongest people we got here, men and women. Like, hey, come on. You want to be part of something really fun? You know, I don't know what we would do. Like, hey, oh, you can be in charge of the offering. <laughs> You're sure you don't want to give this morning a little bit more? <laughs> would that be, by the way, if you're new, like, we don't take up an offering. You do it on your way out if you want to, right? But that would be fun. Like, they had, they had their own, like, temple guard. So, so the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they all come up to Peter and John, and they were greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's not going to go over very well. That's, that's not going to be good. See, and many of you, you know this already. Many of you know this already. There were, there were two leading factions, two leading groups among the Jews, political, religious, social you know, leaders, two groups of people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, they were the ones who were the, the upper class wealthy elite, even above the Pharisees. And they were, many of them were priests. They were, they came from the priestly lineage, the priestly line. And so like the chief priests and the annual high priest, those are all the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, they also had the majority of seats in the highest ranking power among the Jews, the group of men called the Sanhedrin, 70 men plus the high priest, 70. And they held the majority of seats. So the Sadducees, were the, like, the most influential people among the Jews. And the Sadducees did not believe in any sort of resurrection, any life after death. So when Peter and John, when they came out with this wild claim that Jesus has come back to life and was offering eternal life after death for any and all who wish to follow him, they didn't get curious. They got furious. So here's what they did. They laid hands on them, not for prayer, like for capture, two different things, right? They laid hands on them, and they put them in prison until the next day, for it was already evening. Now, remember, the Jews had a law. They could not hold trial at night. Like, streaming old episodes of night court would not go well in the Jewish faith, right? They could only hold trials and hold court during the day. Now, they, they didn't follow that when it came to Jesus, but apparently are when it came to Peter and John. So they, they, they take them, they put them in prison overnight. Then, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. I love how Luke just gives us names. Like People would have known who these people were. Like, all the big guns are there. He says, and all who were of high priestly descent. Did you know that not anybody could be a priest in the Jewish faith? You had to be able to claim the, the lineage way back in the Old Testament, way, way back to Moses' brother Aaron. And there was a lineage of priests. And so that's who was, that's who was there, all those who were, were priests. Like again, all the big guns were there. When they had placed Peter and John in the center, they began to inquire, like, by what power or in what name have you done this? Pointing to the God that had been healed. And here's, here's what they're saying. What you did isn't normal. It's not natural. It's, 
supernatural. We've not seen anything like this. What'd you do? How'd you do it? That's, that's what they want to know. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. He's very polite. He's very gracious. Hey, rulers and elders of, of the people. If we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, you get the impression that Peter's not sure why they're on trial? Like, if, he's like, if, if we're on trial for that, is that why we're on trial? Because I can imagine all night long, Peter and John being wide awake, not sleeping, because they think they've been arrested because they are known associates of Jesus. Because remember, known associates of a criminal who's been arrested, charged, convicted, and executed can face, her, can face the same fate. I imagine they stayed in that jail cell all night thinking, oh my gosh, they finally caught us. And now they're going to do to us what they did to Jesus. So they come out and, they, and, the, and the, the powers in front of them are like, how'd you do this? Oh, is that why we're here? Is that why we're here? Oh, well, let me tell you, if that's why we're on trial, right? If that's why we're on trial as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. He's, he's talking about all the Jews. Let it be known to our people. All of our, no matter Sadducee, Pharisee, rich, poor, elite, poverty, doesn't matter. People who live in Jerusalem and Jews who live anywhere in the world. Let it be known to all of us who have the same prophecies and the same promises from God, are hoping on the same Messiah. Let it be known to our, our tribe, our nation, all of us as Jews, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. Peter is saying, let it be known that Messiah has come. And right here, right here, friends, you see, you see what Peter and John are fighting for. They are not afraid to stand before the most powerful people in their world. They even pointed their finger at them and said, it's your fault. You did this. You crucified him. And the Sanhedrin, they're not used to having their finger pointed at them. They're used to pointing their fingers down at people below them. They're not used to being the accused. They're used to doing the accusing. But right here, Peter and John are so fearless and they're so courageous. They're like, hey, here's how it happened. And, and you're the ones who did the wrong thing. And they point their fingers and they accuse the Sanhedrin. But Peter and John, they're, they're, they're not afraid because they're fighting for something they now believe in. They're fighting for the gospel, for people to know what God has done, that Jesus has come, that Jesus has been crucified, but he's been raised again, and he did it for you and for me. They're fighting for the gospel, for people to know the good news of Jesus. But they weren't done yet. Peter said, and salvation, salvation meaning the forgiveness of your sin, the wiping away of your guilt and your shame and your pain, the forgiveness of your sin, all your guilt taken away, and, and the gift of eternal life, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's what, that's what Peter said to them. Like, it's only Jesus now, how many of you ever said something like that before? Like, no other name by which we can be saved. Anybody? Okay, you should. 
You should be telling people that, right? That's, that's your job if you're a follower of Jesus. We'll talk more about that next week, apparently. It's a mental note. Hey, Jonathan, take a note. We need to talk about evangelism next week. Actually, we are going to that next week, so there you go. Um, but... You should be saying that to people. But that's not just a phrase that we throw around in church world. Think about where this came from. Peter and John are standing before the most powerful people in their lives, in their world. The people of the power to make their lives very uncomfortable and even hand them over to be, to be killed by the Romans. And they're not afraid. They're saying, hey, this is what we believe. This is what we're convinced of. They, it could even mean their death, but they're not afraid. And Luke tells us when the leaders saw Peter and John's courage, but that they were just ordinary men, like they weren't anything special. They were unschooled. They had no standing, no wealth, no backing. They're not highly educated, highly expected like the, the Sanhedrin were, the priests were. They're just guys from the dock, you know. They're like peasants before royalty. And peasants don't point fingers and accuse royalty. That's punishable by death. When the Jewish leaders saw their courage, then they noted that Peter and John had been with Jesus. And that stirred up in them something ranging from disgust to anger. They want to get rid of Peter and John, but they couldn't. Because here's this guy. You know, this guy just leaping around, praising God, telling everybody what happened. People, everybody saw it. it. didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened when everybody was there. So they're not sure what to do. So here's what they did do. They sent Peter and John back to a holding cell to discuss what they could do with them. And here's how their conversation went. They're like, we can't punish these guys because everybody knows what they did. Everybody has seen it. Everybody's heard by now. But we also can't let it happen again. We can't let it spread so they brought Peter and John back out, stood them in the center again, and they said this. They said, we command you. Like, we're the authority over you, and we're using all of our threats and all of our authority. We command you not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore to anybody. And here's Peter and John's response. I love this. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Like Peter and John are so fire. Like they just fire back at, at these guys. I want to make sure you don't miss their fire. I want to make sure, because we, we read this, I believe we read this incorrectly so often. So they're, they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin, the most powerful people in their lives, and, and, they, and they say, which is right? Which is right, to listen to you or to listen to God? Go. Well, the people that they're talking to are like, what's the difference? What's the difference? Like, they know they're not God, but they are the priests and the high priests and the chief priests. We represent God. When you listen to us speak, it's as if God is speaking to you. So, when, when Peter and John said, you be the judges, he's not asking them to judge between those two things. There wasn't judging between that for them. Judging was not about that. Judging was what he said after that. He used, he used a word for judging. It, it, the Greek word, the Greek verb is uh, krenate. You, you krenate, you krenate. And it means judge us. Don't judge between these two things. Judge us, condemn us, punish us, do your worst to us we, because we have made our decision to listen to God, not to you. That's what they're talking about. That's their courage. That's, don't you love their fight? 
so unafraid. And the leaders, they're angry, so angry. But their hands are tied. So what they do is they threaten them some more, and then they just throw them out. The end. Seriously, that was the end of that scene. What a great story, right? I mean, more stuff happened. Like, that wasn't the end of Luke, but that's the end of that event for the most part. What a great story. But you didn't come here to hear a story. You came here to have something added to your story. You came here to hear something that would impact your story. You came here to have something maybe write into or rewrite part of your story. Hey, guess what? The story we just talked about does that for you. The story we just talked about, taking this page out of Peter and John's playbook, plays into your life. And here's why. Because we are all fighting for something. You're fighting for something. I'm fighting for... We're all fighting for something. This isn't just a Christian thing. This is an all-of-us thing. This is an all-swim. This is an all-skate. This is all of us. We're all fighting for something. Maybe you're fighting for your marriage. Maybe you're fighting for your grades. Maybe you're fighting for a relationship. Maybe you're fighting for your children. Maybe you're fighting for your job. Maybe you're fighting for your country. I don't know. Maybe you're fighting for your church. I don't know what you're fighting, but you're all fighting. We're all fighting for something. And, and you know how this works. It's whatever takes your time and your attention and your energy and your money. That's what you're fighting for. That's the way we fight. Whatever you've given yourself to, whatever you've given yourself to, you're fighting for something. So I think what you have to do this morning, if you begin to ask this question, what am I fighting for? You've got, to, you've got to periodically, intentionally stop yourself, look at yourself, ask yourself this question. What am I fighting for? Because if you don't do that on a regular basis, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to wake up one day, and you're going to look back over your life, and you're going to realize, oh my gosh, I've been fighting for nothing, or I've been fighting for the wrong thing. Make sure you get your life lined up with what you really believe in. Make sure you know what you're fighting for. Ask, what, what, what am I fighting for? Listen, if you're not sure what you're fighting for, let me help you figure that out. Here's how you figure out. You fight for who or what you follow. You fight for who or what you follow. You want me to give you a really good example? Democrat, Republican, right? Star Wars, Harry Potter, right? <laughs> Whatever you follow, that's what you give to. That's what you fight for. Listen, you fight for what you believe in, what matters to you. You fight for what you're committed to, and you're committed to what you're convinced of. Peter and John fought for the gospel. They fought to be able to tell people the good news of Jesus because it's what they had seen and heard. They're so convinced, so they're so committed and that's what followers of Jesus do. Followers of Jesus fight for Jesus. We fight with grace and with love, but we fight for Jesus. We fight for people to know Jesus. We, even when it makes us unpopular, outnumbered, countercultural, or politically incorrect, we fight for the gospel, for the good news, even when it's hard. For the good news of Jesus to be shared with the world, everyone everywhere, every day. So again, the question that you've got to ask, that I've got to ask of myself, is what am I fighting for? 
Let me challenge you with this this morning. As we wrap this up, let me challenge you with this. This week, don't fake fight. Don't fake fight. Don't walk out here saying, well, hey, man, it was a good service message, eh, but music was great. But man, I, I believe I'm, I'm for Jesus, but never fight for him. That's a fake fight. Go out in the world and begin to fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Always with love, always with grace, but fight for it. If, if your marriage is in trouble, fight for your marriage. If your kids are, if your kids are in danger, fight for your kids. If you believe you can make an impact in a good way in your job, fight for your job. If you believe that you need to get good grades to honor God, man, fight for your grades. Don't fake fight. Fight for what you believe in. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, like if, if you believe that God came to earth in the form of a man named Jesus, and Jesus, and Jesus is the way back to the Father in relationship. If you believe that Jesus came and, and willingly laid his life down and was crucified but was raised again so we could have eternal life with him, if you believe that and if you believe that your kids need to know that or your parents need to know that or your friends need to know that or your neighbors or your classmates or your teammates or your coworkers, if you believe people in your world need to know that, fight for him. Fight for them. Fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're not sure this morning that you're ready to fight like this for any of these things, let, let, me, let me just encourage you with this. You need to know this. Jesus is fighting for you. Jesus is fighting for you. Whether you're fighting for him or not, he is fighting for you. He's fighting for your marriage. He's fighting for your, for your kids. He's fighting for your, your, your life plan. He's fighting for your faith. He's fighting for your neighbors. He's fighting for you. And this morning, if you need to be reminded of that, if you need to be reminded that you don't fight alone, then just be encouraged as, as he reminds you that he is with you. And if you let him, he'll be your strength. He'll be your power. He'll be your source. He'll be your shield. He'll be all of that and more to you. And for some of you, for some of you, today's the day. Some of you have been in the fight for so long. And you've been trying to go at it alone. And you need to know that Jesus is fighting for you. And some of you, well, you've been fake fighting your faith your whole life. And today that can change. And you begin to take up the fight for real. You know, the gospel is true. I believe that with every fiber of my being. So I will fight for people to know the good news of Jesus. And I hope you will too. And this morning, this could be your day to join the fight. If you're ready to do that, or if you just need to be reminded that God is fighting for you, then this stage becomes an altar. And this is the perfect time of the perfect day, in the perfect way, in the perfect opportunity to say, Jesus, remind me that you're fighting for me and you've called me to fight for you. So Jesus, wherever we are this morning, whether we're here in person or if we're watching online as part of our online family, I pray that today we would, we would be willing to take the first step in the fight just to get on our knees here at the stage or the edge of a couch and say, Jesus, remind me that you're fighting for me because you are for me. 
where Jesus, I'm tired of fake fighting. And I want so much to make my life count for something more. I want to be part of something bigger that's changing lives and changing the world. And so Jesus, today, will you show me how to join the fight? Lord, today's a day for some people. You know it, Jesus, better than I do. So would you work in their hearts? Would you open up their minds? Would you free them from whatever fears they have about getting out of a seat and coming to the front or even kneeling down with their family in front of a TV? And God, just make this the day that they learn to fight because they're so convinced of who you are that they're committed to the calling you've given them to share the good news of Jesus with everyone, everywhere, every day. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing one more song. And if you need to come to the front, if you're ready to join the fight, come on up because um, God's ready to begin using you to share the gospel with other people. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.